And here we go. I'm starting. There's a great, great passage that I love. It's in Colossians 4, 5. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most out of every opportunity. Epic Life Church, it's good to see you this morning, and it's so good to be in your house. I hope and pray that as we meet this morning that you're hearing something that is lovely. We are in the Oak Tree Plaza, right in front of the AMC Theater, where uh, Pilgrim Coffee sits over here. There's people in the parking lot. And I wanted to be out here this morning to kind of uh, give you an insight in what we're talking about this morning. Epic Life Church has been called to be in this place, 105th and Aurora, to know the community, to know the people, to know the businesses, to start business here, to engage with, to build, to create. And it's really important as we go through ministry here year after year that we make the most out of every opportunity that's given to us. Make the most. Making the most out of every opportunity requires us to be wise, requires us to step into and not away from, requires us not to live foolishly but to live with wisdom. It requires us to think and prepare and, and get ready for the open doors that are presented to us. And so the open doors are available. Somebody told me about this whole COVID-19 idea or what's going on right now is that when the, when the masses are panic, a few prosper. And in that, that prosper are people who are not panicking, but are thinking, who, are, who are, have a foundation. And I believe as a church, we have the foundation of Christ. We, our roots are growing deep in, inside of Christ into the, the soil that gives us nourishment and that foundation that we're building on, the solid rock that the builders rejected, that cornerstone that the world rejects, we are built on that to be a firm foundation so that we can act when given the opportunity. Make the most out of every opportunity given to you. This morning, as we return to the book of Ephesians, we've been studying Ephesians for a few months now and getting this opportunity to look into how Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, but also writing to us as Christ followers. And it really impacts us here in this time and in this moment in Seattle. If you're listening this moment in Seattle or you're listening around the nation somewhere or even in Peru, Ricardo, I want to say hi to you in Peru. As you're listening, my hope and my prayer is that you hear something that will stir your heart to make a change, to respond to the Holy Spirit's call in your life. So let's dive in to Ephesians again. As you recall, <clears throat> I've said this many times over this uh, study, as you recall, Ephesians is broken up in, in two parts. There's chapters 1 through 3 and chapters 4 through 5. They're a distinct different parts. The same letter, but Paul is writing something that has uh, um, uh, understanding of different parts. And so the first is, of course, if you remember, it's identifying us. Remember, we've been identified by the Holy Spirit for the things that are to come that God has identified, stamped us as his own. We are his created. We are his, his perfect people, the saints, the church, the sons and the daughters of the king, heirs to the kingdom. That's who we are. And and chapters 1 through 3 lay that out. If you're just joining us now, I would encourage you to go back to chapters 1 through 3 or watch the videos from January on and see how, how uh, Paul lays out the understanding from, from the inspiration of God, the understanding of who we are. And in light of who we are, then we are able to live and do. And so Ephesians 2.10, uh, starting... This morning, Ephesians 5, uh, of course, 5, 15 through 17. We'll go back to Ephesians 
2, verse 10, says this. For we are God's masterpiece. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're the masterpiece of God? That you are created, like, not just a, uh, a little doodle here or a little sketch there, but we are much more than a, a sketch and a doodle. He has thought you out. He has created you in his mind, um, created by, by uh, uh, working things together, knitting you together in your mother's womb before you were known. You are his masterpiece. You are. Let that sink in. You're not just God's sketch that has all these problems and, and issues and, and he's like, oh, that, that didn't work. I think I'll erase that. No, 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 no. You're his masterpiece. A master artist doesn't just toss his masterpiece away. He sells it for so, so much money, right? Uh, Caleb and I have been working on some art recently in the garage, and uh, I'll, I'll show you a little bit of that right here. These are our, our masterpieces. I'm going to put these up and see if I can get a whole lot of money for these. Well, okay, I'm not a masterful artist, but God is. He created the universe, and he created you, and you are his masterpiece. If I was sitting in, uh, or if I was standing in the church building today, I'd ask you guys to kind of repeat that. Say, I am God's masterpiece. Do you believe that? So, for we are God's masterpiece. Hang that on your wall. Write that down. Write it on your wrist. Tattoo it on your body. You are God's masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus. Brand new in Christ Jesus. He has created us so that we can do good things, the good things that he planned for us long ago. He created us as a masterpiece so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Sit on that for just a second. Masterpiece to carry out. You know, an artist's great masterpiece uh, evokes feeling and thought. It evokes emotion. It evokes understanding, a different understanding. A good masterpiece requires us to sit and look at the painting the sculpture, the creation, the architecture, whatever it is, and, and contemplate. One of my favorite places to contemplate is by a lake in the mountains, contemplating the masterpiece, the creation of the mountains and creation. We are also that masterpiece. So in chapter 5, verse 15, Paul's going to continue this thought. Because you're the masterpiece, this is who you are. And so it starts out, so be careful how you live. A masterpiece, you are worthy of living well, of being careful about how you live. Chapters 1 through 3, this is who you are. This is who you are. We are God's masterpiece. And so chapters 4 through 5, this is how to live. It's, it's our observable life, our, our life that people see. Uh, observe those, those good things that we are carrying out because he gave us these things to do. It's, it's the, these are our, our observable life, how we live lives seen by others, our true selves, not just an emoji self or not just an Instagram self where everything's awesome and wonderful and we're presenting our best face, right? 
This is, there's, this is how we live. When people see us, when they interact with us, are they seeing a full person, a masterpiece, a life that is seen? And so verse four through, or chapter four through six is a life that is seen, understanding who we are, who we are. Last week I talked about if my son's were part of my kingdom and I had a castle, yet they didn't live like they had a castle, it would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? And so this morning, I'm, I'm thinking about the, we, we live out of who we are, living in light of who we are. It'd be kind of like a doctor who <clears throat> is a, a face mask expert, right? And he's, he's telling everybody how uh, face masks are, are going to save lives or it, it keeps you from I mean, whatever you think about face masks, if, if there's a doctor who's a face mask expert and he has a face mask company and he wears a face mask in public <clears throat> when he's doing interviews and uh, he's telling everybody how face masks are so, so important, but every time you see him outside of a camera, he never wears a face mask wherever he is, you would have a question about his authenticity, right? You would have a question, is he living out of what he really knows or is he living a life that's strangely different. We preach this, right, and then live like this. And so Paul is saying, don't do this. Live differently. Live differently. It'd be kind of like Justin making coffee, yet Justin hates coffee. What if Justin hates coffee? He can't stand the taste. He despises coffee, yet he's trying to open a coffee shop for the best coffee and presenting the best coffee to people. <laughs> it would kind of be comical, right? Because one thing, we could not get great coffee from him because his heart and his passion wouldn't be into it. This passage is, uh, is how we can live. And so I'm going to read this passage again. You've heard it already, but listen, listen to this again. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most out of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand that the, what the Lord wants to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and make music to the Lord in your heart. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so with this passage, we have to understand what Paul is saying is that is that we can live wise, but we can live foolishly as well. We're, we're Christ followers. He, remember, he is writing to the church. So he is writing to his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. And Paul is saying, as a masterpiece of God, you can live wise, but you can live unwise as well. He's saying that you can make the most out of every opportunity. That's what it's saying. But it's also assuming that you can... Make the least out of every opportunity. Uh, it's saying that you can understand God's will, but because it's saying that, it's also saying that you, you have the capability of not understanding God's will. It's saying that you are filled, you can be filled with self-entertainment or filled with the Spirit. And he says that in this, this conversation about alcohol. You can fill with selfish ambition or be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a very beautiful and important verse for our lives as masterpieces of the king. We can live foolish lives or we can live wise lives. 
Live foolishly, live wise. Last week, we talked about the living in this, um, this world of instead. Something different, something greater, something um, higher, uh, something with more value. He wants us to live in, in a, um, a, a better way, not just a good and simple way, but a greater and a more amazing way. And so he's pointing this out, that it's your choice. God's not going to force you to live wisely. And he's not going to kind of push the wise button on you so that everything you do, you can't even help it anymore. He actually gives you the responsibility now to live in wisdom or to live in foolishness. And so you have that responsibility, men and women. Are you taking the responsibility that he's given to you? You're the masterpiece of the king. Are you taking the responsibility that he's given to you and living masterfully? So, be careful how you live. That's the verse, first verse there. Be careful how you live. The word careful is what I want to zoom in right here, okay? Akribos is the, the Greek word. This is a word that means to be extremely careful. Some of your versions, if you're reading like maybe the King James, it says be circumspect. Nobody knows what circumspect is. Actually, we, we, were, list, we were watching a show, a uh, Dickensian um, BBC show, uh, last night, and the inspector used the word circumspect. I, I love this word, circumspect. It's what the King James Version used, NLT used, be careful. Um, and this word is acrobos. It means to be extremely careful, not just walking around, but being really, really careful, like very exact, like searching out to the finest detail by pr a probing investigation. So probe in there, investigate every little piece, every little part, and get the best story possible. Be careful. Be extremely careful. Be circumspect on how you live. Those, that word is used uh, three other times in the scriptures. And in, in one place it's used in Matthew 2.8. And in Matthew 2.8, if you remember, the three wise men or the wise men company came to the king and said, hey, where is this new king we've heard so much about? And he sent them away to the town of Nazareth, of Bethlehem, sorry, the town of Bethlehem to search for the king. And he said, be careful, look carefully, search for the king and then report back to me because he wanted to know who this king was and then to kill him. He wanted to kill the right one. And so that was one time. And another place that this word acrobos is used is in the beginning of Luke. Luke is writing this letter to Theophilus, and he's writing this, and he's saying, uh, here, here's, I, I want you to know that I've researched this. I've been very careful at researching this. You know, the scripture is really, I think, I think Paul wants to, to make sure we don't check our brains at the door. That we look in this, and we're logical about it, and we search out. And Luke was saying the same thing. He was saying, listen, I have searched, I've researched, I've investigated, I've probed into this, I've went into the finest details, I've asked not just one person, not just the closest people to Jesus, but others who saw these miracles and saw this. I have searched this out. And here Paul is using the same word. Be careful, acrobos. Pay careful attention to what I'm saying. Pay careful attention to your life, Paul says. Be careful how you live. Pay careful attention. He's saying, don't check your brain at the door. 
Don't just come in here and have this wild, fanatical uh, faith uh, event in your life. And that's all it is. Be careful. Think about this. You can think about this. You can be wise about how you live. You can be wise about how you live. We lost a very important um, godly man this past week. Uh, his name was Ravi Zacharias. And many of you know him and, and know that he was a, a, an apologetic uh, person. But he has a quote that I just want to read this morning. And it's, it's up here for you. Ravi Zacharias said, God has put enough into his, this world to make faith in him a most reasonable thing. But he has left enough out to make it impossible to live by sheer reason alone. Faith and reason must always work together in a plausible blend. It's a really great quote. There's something we can live by. And I think it's something that Paul lived by often. He never says, hey, just believe. The Bible says so, so just believe. He doesn't say, oh, it's just all logic. It's just all wisdom. It's just all logic. And if you can't bring it down in logic, then, then sorry, tough luck. He actually brings these both together. And it's a really important um, combination, uh, a marriage of belief and, and, and reason, right? And so he's not saying, hey, if you're going to become a Christian, check your brain at the door. A lot of people believe that Christians check their brains at the door and stop thinking logically. If not anything, Christians who live wise in the midst of faith are probably the wisest people out there because we have blended logic, reason, with faith, with belief. That is beautiful. In the long run, all of humanity have beliefs that they are blending with reason in some kind, in some form. So here Paul is saying, be careful, acrobos, be careful, extremely careful how you live. My question to you, are you being careful? Because this is an obvious thing. You have to partake in being careful. You can't just throw it against the wall or hope it, hope it sticks someplace. You can't just wander through life uh, pursuing and letting you, the lust of your flesh and the pride of life just kind of pull out of you wherever you go and you're not being careful in the way that you live. And a lot of your translations say the way that you walk. And so Paul isn't really talking, NLT says live, because Paul isn't really talking about the, the way you physically walk down the street, putting one foot in front of the other. He's talking about a, a spiritual thing, a, a manifestation of, of who you are, how you live. Peripateo is, is that Greek word, how you conduct yourself. When you're, when you're in, engaging with others or, or in private, how do you live? How do you conduct yourself? How do you live life in public and private situations? Often in the private, we, we kind of um, buck up and, and be bold and try to um, strain ourselves to act right in, in public. But in private, we kind of let things go. And what we do in private morphs into, if not bleeds into our public life at some point. Think about how you live. Men and women, masterpieces of the king. Think about how you live. Respond to the pulling of the Holy Spirit in your life and think about how you live. It's, a, it's submitting 
to the master who created you and submitting to that and thinking about how you live instead of just following the gushings of the, the lust of the flesh where we just react to whatever's pulling us. And we say things like, I just can't help it. No, actually, you can help it. You can be disciplined to help it. Listen, there's a verse, and it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Paul is talking, and he's talking to the crowd, or talking to this church, and he's speaking about the Olympics, the games. Everybody knows about the games because they were, they were the things of entertainment, right? They were the, what people entertained themselves with. And so there's the games. Don't you realize that in a race, every runner runs, um, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. So he's saying, be purposeful about this, disciplined about this in a way that you're, you are running to win. Listen to the rest of this, though. Don't stop there. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They're dis they have to be. A great athlete has to be incredibly disciplined in his training or her training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize something that will last. So I run with purpose in every step. Paul is saying he disciplines his life, take, making sure that every step, every walk, his life that's being lived is lived with purpose. Remember our, our series, the, the theme of our series, identified for purpose. So Paul is saying I walk for purpose. Every step I take is for purpose. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm actually doing this. I, I discipline my body like an athlete training to do what it should do. I beat my body. I train my body, discipline my body to make it my slave instead of being the slave to my body. When we don't live wise, we don't live careful lives, we are slaves to our body instead of the other way around, that our bodies are slaves to us and even more slaves to the master himself. Um, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that I'll be preaching in vain. And so Paul is, is pushing into this more and more, and he's saying there is a reason to be disciplined in your body, to, to live a disciplined life, live uh, um, for an eternal goal, not just a, a temporary goal. Colossians 4, verse 5 continues this, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most out of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everything, everyone. So Paul isn't saying, um, prepare, your, your, uh, prepare your answers ahead of time so that you can whip out a card and respond to every question that's asked, like some kind of newscaster or, or some kind of weird interview system that you already have the answers to the questions that are going to be asked. He's saying, discipline your body, discipline your mind, discipline the way you live in carefulness in such a way that you spill over in righteous actions, that you spill over in righteous conversation, that you spill over with wisdom knowledge, reason, and belief, and faith. And you know how to, and you're capable of taking advantage of the opportunities that are given to you. Some would say when opportunities are given to us that we should go and pray and sit and wait on the Lord to show us and point us to the direction. I truly believe that. But if we are living our lives 
without that, first, we're missing out on what God could do in our lives. If, we are, are, if our lives are lived in the perspective of living life, coming up to an opportunity that God has given us, maybe to share our faith, maybe to purchase a property, maybe to enter into a business uh, engagement of some kind or a relationship with somebody or a job or ministry or somehow. And if we're living our lives and we walk and we come to this spot and then we say, okay, I see that opportunity. I'm going to go pray and wait. And there's a different way to live. There's praying and waiting and being right with God and living our lives carefully and disciplined so that when opportunities are given to us, we are ready to act now. Jesus said all the time, he said, this is not the right time. Timing is so important. Sometimes opportunities are put in front of us and if we are ready to move because we know that God is calling us and he's putting things in front of us, then we can act. Sometimes if we don't act, the opportunity is gone, the timing is gone, and we have lost that time, that opportunity forever. Please don't get me wrong. It's, of course, important to be praying and seeking God, but I want to encourage us to be prepared ahead of time. Discipline ourselves. Be careful on how we live. Matthew 28 then shows us the reason why we want to discipline our lives, why we want to be careful in the way that we live. The reason is is Jesus sent his disciples out and he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father. And so that's our reason to do this. Wait, did you hear me? Our reason to be living disciplined lives isn't so that we can have a bigger paycheck. It's not so that we can have a bigger house or more things or, or, or more relationships or, or finally get married or have more kids or, or whatever it is. Those aren't our reasons to live a careful life. Those are definitely human reasons, and they're not bad reasons necessarily. They can be bad. They can be good. But even more, there's a greater thing that the master of the masterpieces have given to us, to live careful our lives, to live carefully so that we can be ready to share the gospel with people and turn people with reason and belief to the king of the world. Opportunity. We've been praying for 105th and Aurora and for this complex right here for many years. Waiting for the opportunity when it's time to step in. Be prepared. We're not, we're not living life so that somebody can give us five stars, right? We have a bigger purpose than that. Our bigger purpose is to see this city, people, come to know Jesus as king. Men and women, when is the last time that you've lived your life in such a way that you've shared the gospel with somebody so that they can know the king? The passage says, Paul says, wake up. So wake up. Verse 14, wake up, O sleeper, rise up from the grave, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine light on you so you can see. And this is a, an understanding so you can understand, so you can be wise about who you are. So you, are, you can live careful, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 10. So we can do the good things that he planned for us already carefully. So you, are, you um, not, we, don't, we don't do things so that we can be loved. We do things because we are loved. Don't live like fools, but live like the wise. Psalms is full of people who live like fools. 
Uh, a fool despises wisdom. A fool always thinks he's right. A fool always shares opinions. A fool always gets in fights. Enter Facebook. Uh, a, a fool says, there's no God. We don't have to live like fools. We can live with wisdom. You can, even though you are a Christian, it says the the passage is really pointing out that even though you're a Christian, you can live foolish lives. Enter the prodigal son. The prodigal son who was still the masterpiece of the father, still the son of the father, but went and lived a foolish life without wisdom until wisdom was finally gained on the pit. Let's not make that the place where wisdom is finally gained, where we finally come to a place of thinking careful, carefully about our lives. Make the most out of every opportunity, verse 16 says. Um, I, this, is, this is a wonderful image. Make the most. The wording is actually this word of going to a marketplace and buying up all of the product that is on sale. Like you walk into a marketplace and here is, I don't know, mangoes for three cents for a dollar. Man, I'm going to buy boxes of these babies and just hand them out to friends. And that's what this word is. Make the most out of every opportunity. Like, seriously, Paul was speaking about go to the marketplace, and if you see, the, see stuff on sale, you can buy it all up. That's the idea. Make the most out of it. Get everything as much as you can. Take advantage of the buying, the purchasing opportunity. When the door is open, take advantage of it. But you have to be ready to take advantage of it. Be careful how you live. Take advantage of every opportunity for our lives are lived in this, this day, this evil day. Every moment is a gift to us. It's been given to us by the master. Every moment is a gift to us. Take advantage of it. Act on the opportunities given to you by being prepared ahead of time. God's will can be known. We look at this and, and don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So Paul is saying God's will can be known. God's will can be understood, can be known. You can know God's will. It actually isn't as easy as we try to make it. God's will can be known. Seek it out. God's will can be known. We just have to seek it out. Matthew 6.33 Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. You see how we do it? We seek the answer, seek the answer, seek the answer, seeking all these things without seeking the kingdom of God. And God is saying, seek the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added to you. When the opportunity is given to you, you will be able to react, and you will be given opportunities. God's will for you is salvation, is sanctification, and is evangelism. That's his will for us. Are you willing to submit to that as a Christ follower? Are you willing to submit his kingdom first, our kingdom, meh, not second, maybe never. His kingdom first, our kingdom is seeking his kingdom. The beginning of this, Paul says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. You are his masterpiece. Imitate God. 
our kingdom, his kingdom first, our kingdom is imitating his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Life before God is in submission to him. Let me read the next verse. All right? So he says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled. Something greater, something better. Be drunk on the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit, don't be drunk in foolishness because it will ruin you for crying out loud. Don't be drunk in foolishness. Be drunk in wisdom. Be drunk in the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs together in this community. And make music to the Lord in your own heart. Celebrate the Lord out of your heart. This is an overflowing of being careful how you live. This is an overflowing of seeking first the kingdom of God. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. An overflowing, being careful how you live, is this attitude of gratitude, of attitude of thanksgiving in all you're doing. That everything that you come up in, in front of, you're thanking God for this opportunity that has been given. And further... Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Next week, we're going to move into this idea of husbands and wives and submitting to one another. But our lives best lived is in submission to God. And then in submission to one another. We misunderstand the word submission in a great and grand way. Next week, I hope we can understand that better, but really, it has to come out of who we know we are. If it comes out of us understanding that we are masterpieces of the king, you are the masterpiece of the king. You are submitted to his masterful creation. Are you? Are you submitted to taking care and being careful of the way that you live? Are you submitted to him? Are you submitted to him in wisdom? Are you submitted to him not to live foolishly, but to live in wisdom? Are you submitted to him not to be drunk on selfish uh, entertainment, but to be uh, drunk and, and filled with the Spirit? Are you submitted to God and submitted to one another in reverence for Christ? We arrive at relationships with other people at an incorrect point of view. We arrive at how can that person submit to me? I know you don't say that. You don't, you don't say that out loud. And maybe you don't even think it in those words. But every time we come into a relationship of some, with somebody else, we arrive there often. Like, how can that person submit to me? But that is not how we are to arrive at the conversation of submission of husbands and wives, of, of masters and slaves and children and grandparents, of, of church. We are not to arrive at the conversation of submission um, out of context. It has to be in context as the masterpiece. Listen to me. Please listen to me. Submission has to be arrived at from a different point of view, not in the point of view that you submit to me or the point of view of, of thinking that you're forcing me to submit to you. This is different. It's wrong. It's backwards. It's foolish. It's not being disciplined in our thought. It's not being wise in our action and in our lives. Jesus, see, is our example. Jesus submitted to the rule of the Father even though he was the fullness of God, yet did not think himself equal to God. Jesus submitted to God. If you don't like the word submit, you are not understanding the gospel because Jesus submitted himself to God. 
Because the Father, why did he submit to God? Because the Father accepted responsibility for Jesus, for us, and for our redemption. That's what the Father accepted, that responsibility. And so Jesus willfully, willingly submitted himself to God. If you don't want to be submitted to anyone or anything or any authority, you are not actually willing to be submitted to God or follow Jesus' example at all. Please hear this. We can submit because it's coming out of understanding who we are, the masterpiece of the king. Submitting to that which accepts the responsibility or is given responsibility, we can do that. Sometimes I submit, sometimes I follow. And when this passage moves in from this understanding of being careful how we live to submit to one another, we can understand with beauty the relationship of submission. Sometimes I submit, sometimes I'm following, but at all times we are submitting to one another. Men and women, these, these, these conversations in Ephesians has been fantastic. I love searching the scriptures. I was telling Christine this morning how I feel like I could almost write a book on Ephesians, understanding this, going back and forth, zooming into verses, zooming out into big uh, paragraphs and, and concepts and zooming back in and out and realizing Paul shows us so much in this book in Ephesians that he wrote from a prison cell. It's for us, the church, you and me, the masterpiece of the king. And we as Epic Life Church get the great opportunity to live carefully, ready to act on the opportunities that God has given to us. Such a beautiful moment for the church. And this, this moment, this season of, of the virus has given opportunity to the church. And it's our responsibility to take the opportunity that he has already provided. We have the opportunity to share the gospel worldwide in a greater way than we've ever had the opportunity to do with video. It's amazing. Take every opportunity because we are ready and we've lived carefully. Lord God, I thank you for this time that we've gotten to share. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to respond to what your Holy Spirit is saying to our hearts. Help us to understand, Lord, how to live carefully, not foolishly. Help us to understand, Lord, how to take advantage of the opportunities that you've put in front of us, knowing that you've prepared and we've disciplined ourselves to be ready. And Lord, I pray that you would guide our church and the churches across North Seattle to thrive and grow and become and get it and, and be able to get the message into living rooms all over this city and all across the world. Lord, I praise you. You are wonderful. You are great. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, just before we go, um, right after this, those who are part of Epic Life Church and part of the uh, attendance and membership of Epic Life, we're going to have a Zoom meeting right away. This is a really important Zoom meeting because we're going to share with you our next steps as a church, what's coming up, how we're planning for the, the, the phased openings from the government and, and what's going to happen, what's going to take place. We're also going to a little update with Pilgrim Coffee, uh, a little update with 4 North Seattle and other things. And we just really want you to tune into this so you can ask some questions. The elders and I are going to be speaking and presenting a few things and then we'll open it up for some questions. It's not going to be long. 
but we really want as many as possible to be there so that you can understand what Epic Life is, is going towards. Uh, taking advantage of the opportunities that God has given to us. It's a blessing being pastor in this season of confusion and craziness. It's a blessing being your pastor, being your friend. And I look forward to those handshakes and hugs in the future time. So have a blessed day. See you soon. Bye. Hey there, this is Keith Carpenter. I get to pastor Epic Life Church, and it's such a, a blessing that you're watching this today. I want to encourage you to in, um, enjoy this message and enjoy this worship and time. But I also want to encourage you that if you're listening from a different place in this city or in this country, and you have a local church that you're part of, that you invest into that local church. is really good that we can hear people online, men and women teach and expound on the scripture. But in the long run, we need to go back to our local church and be part of that community. So again, it's a blessing having you here. I pray that this is a blessing to you and I want to encourage you to invest in your local community. Have a great morning.